0: Hello the internet and welcome to the Screen and Needle podcast where my compadres and I get to select one film, one album and a top five list each week to be reviewed and discussed over a pint or two. I hope you'll join us for a drink and some daft chat about pop culture. Will Holden, and today I am joined by Andy Malvern. How are you doing, buddy?
1: Yeah, tired,
0: man, but all right. Otherwise, all right. And I'm joined by Mark Wall. How are you doing, Chief?
2: Yeah, the same. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I'm full of beans, so I'll try and balance it out. Um, today, as always, we are here to talk about a film, an album, and a top five list. This week were my choices. And as ever, we start with the film, uh, which is Black Widow from this year from last week. The story is, according to IMDb, Natasha Romanoff confronts the darker parts of her ledger when a dangerous conspiracy with ties to her past arises. Uh, it was directed by Kate Shortland. It stars Scarlett Johansson, Florence Pugh, David Harbour, Rachel Weiss, and others. It
1: still fits.
2: Oh my god. Ah! I never watched it once. Come and drink. Rise, workers of salvation. Family. Back together again.
0: I picked this pretty much on request (laughs) from Andy uh, that he wanted to go see a new film in the MCU, particularly as a not a particular fan of those films and I guess not super knowledgeable about the other films. And it fits, I mean, yeah, it fits pretty much right in my wheelhouse, so uh, I probably would have ended up going to see it regardless. Does anyone want to give their opening their opening arguments?
1: Uh, Yeah, I thought it was fine. Absolutely fine. Thank you. And Mark? (laughs) (laughs) I did think, I've seen maybe four or five films. We can talk about it and not talk about it, like my opinion on Marvel is not important, but um, I did think that I would maybe get lost in the plot. I, I find that sometimes Marvel really rely on you having watched a lot of the other films and they're watching a standalone film, you just get lost without giving any sort of backstory, which this didn't really do. Um, like it was pretty followable. I don't know if... Some of the references obviously got lost on me a bit, but not too much. It's got a really good cast. I I didn't find it super engaging, uh, but I did find it funny occasionally. Um, Yeah, it was fine.
0: (laughs) Fair play. Marco, do you want to give it a a
2: run? I've recently sort of taken a stance of rallying against people who sort of deride... Marvel as a thing. So I think it's a bit absurd because I think a lot of the criticism is by people who haven't actually watched the films and have no real point of reference, or they've seen maybe one or two and they're just deriding something they've not seen, which I used to do as well, to be fair. And I think it's ridiculous. Having said that, this one for me kind of adds a bit of fuel to the detractors' fire for me. (laughs) I thought this was a pretty bad film, unfortunately. Yeah. I really liked sort of some of their run of movies towards the end of whatever phase it was called. Um is that phase one, Will? I don't know.
0: The, I mean that that's up to the first Avengers film, is phase
2: one. Up to the first Avengers, okay. Well, up to the, the last of the last Avengers. God, is that phase four, I think, By that point? Christ, oh my god. <laughs> right, okay. Well, I, I three, thought they were on a decent four. run. Wasn't too impressed by the last Spider Man and i think this this is kind of similar really it's just i mean obviously we'll get into it but yeah overall i was pretty disappointed i have to say it's not like the worst film i've ever seen or anything but yeah, you know i was i was not not very taken with it unfortunately no
0: oh, fair beans well i i quite liked it uh it's far from one of the mcu's classics i think um but and as Andy said, like it's, a, it's a good cast. I think the Russian accents are universally a bit naff, um, particularly Ray Winston, who we might circle back around to. But I thought it was a pretty functional Marvel film. Like it, it's an unusual one, is that it doesn't add anything going forwards, really. Uh, although I get the impression it's a way to replace Scarlett Johansson in the MCU is by just making a new Black Widow. But I thought, yeah, I thought it was okay. I kind of, I enjoyed the experience. I'm glad there's a week between us watching it and talking about it, because I think the experience of being back in the cinema, if we'd done it a week ago, I think it'd have been a lot more positive. And that's kind of shed as the week's gone on and uh, when the movie on its own has sat with me. I think there are a few kind of glaring issues with it for me but there are also quite a bunch of cool stuff as well i thought some of the set pieces were pretty cool the kind of prison break i thought was a very fun kind of set piece but conversely to that i think most of the fighting is shot so choppy and like quick edit that it was hard to watch and kind of uninteresting to watch in the one-to-one sort of fights i think
2: yeah i agree. i think it's very much going for a combination of things like definite Bond influence, definite born influence, particularly in the first half. I think my I wasn't that impressed by the fights either, but yeah, the set pieces for me were pretty weak. I think they just go into CG overload. They're not massively creative. It sort of reminded me of how I felt after watching Die Another Day. For okay. The first time the uh, kind of Nadir of Brosnan's Bond films, Mm -hmm. where it was just absurd. You've got scenes where he's like surfing on a CGI tidal wave as a space laser is like, you know, blowing up uh, things around him. Absolutely ridiculous. And I thought that was one of the worst films I'd ever seen at the time. And there's just so much in this movie, which is just completely unbelievable. And I get it. It's a comic book film, of course, but this one kind of purports to be a bit more realistic Natasha Scarlett Johansson's character she doesn't have any powers obviously but you could have fooled me I mean she doesn't even get injured and like within the first scene of her like it's like, okay well that's either certain death or at least broken bones at the bare <laughs> yeah minimum, she takes a lot of punishment just absolutely fine you know apparently owing to her skills as a what gymnast her superpower she's you know
0: <laughs> yeah I mean that's fair but you know we've got a long history of that being the case in action films I mean uh Nick Cage in uh Air getting shot in the shoulder and just just marching on through it. <laughs> I think that might be a, a, an action movie trope that you kind of either suspend your disbelief or you or it kind of stands out to you as just being as you say kind of kind of dumb.
1: I think I'm somewhere yeah. in the in the middle on those. I didn't actually think there was a it was incredibly CGI heavy from what I've seen of other Marvel films. But the ending with the like the explosion it's pretty bad yeah it's just it's just ridiculous like I, it, uh, to be honest i'd really waned a bit by that point on it as a film anyway and yeah the big ending when you know they're tumbling out of the sky and she somehow manages to catch her sister with a parachute and then somehow manages to land on a piece of debris that's falling and it, it just uh, I don't know. I, I was just completely like out at that point <laughs> almost.
2: <laughs> it's just very computer gamey, isn't it?
1: I think they are
0: fair points. I think the end is a bit of a, a damp squib as as far as I think Marvel have done quite well with their like final set pieces and their big third act being quite strong. And I'd agree. I think in this one, it it's a bit forgettable. um... I think my favourite parts of the film were mainly the interaction between the four characters and when it was funny in parts. I did think their relationship was kind of weird. So much of it can be written off by brainwashing. But what Rachel Weiss and David Harbour's character kind of do throughout their life is really horrendous. And I think, like, they're forgiven. And I think as the audience, you're supposed to forgive them too.
1: Yeah, I... Yeah, I get that. I think some of the character development is weird as well. You're right, like the it's not just from an audience point of view. I think like their responses, I mean, like David Harbour's responses, you can kind of explain because he was imprisoned, but I can't remember what Rachel Bice's character's called either. But I don't understand her reasoning for suddenly turning her back on her life's work. It's never explained at all. She just does and uh, Scarlett Johansson like natasha i thought about it when she let the daughter of ray winston out of her like jail cell and basically like saved her is that i had no idea whether that was in keeping with her character or out of character because i had no sense of character <laughs> Sure, I think that's fair. like yeah. I don't know if that's something that you get from other films and that was just taken for granted. But I, I just I didn't feel like she was developed into a character in any way, right? Like, she sort of didn't
0: actually I think that's a good point, and one that because I have seen the other films, I didn't really like pick up on because you're right, that is sort of established her guilt over her past dealings are sort of what drives her in some of the other films. So it's yeah, it made sense to me, but I get why that, actually, it's just not in the film, is it? it just, like, it's not told to
2: you at all. No. I don't think you necessarily need to have deep character stuff with this kind of story, though. And it, You know, it pretty much is just someone on a mission. For me, at least, I don't, they never had any deep development with, like, James Bond until apparently recently, and it doesn't really work. It's just like, this person does this, and you just follow them on their task, basically. And yeah, that, that, should be, that should be fine. I do think she's a bit bland, to be honest, in general. I thought she was a bit mopey, a bit kind of boring. It's nothing new to say by all accounts that Florence Pugh kind of steals the show. I'd pretty much agree with that, to be mm-hmm. honest. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think she was, like, unbelievable, but... I, I think she got the... I think, to be honest, she got the best
1: dialogue. Like, it's not just that she she was good. Um, I do like Florence Pugh, but like I say, I felt probably for me, the first third of the film was my favourite part of the I'm film. Afraid. And I sort of got further lost by, you know, just not invested by, the, like I got a bit restless in the middle where it's a bit slower. And then when it finishes with its big like third act set piece, I just, I thought that was a bit naff and unbelievable. But early on, I, I found her character quite, like, funny and actually a character. Like, <laughs> there was some sort of explanation of... And, and from what you're saying about trying to establish her as, like, the new Black Widow, I, I that makes sense, that they would focus more on her character and that Natasha's character has already been previously explained fine. I guess, like, I felt like her and Alexei were the two people that kind of had the, like, the sort of... the comic moments i guess and mm-hmm. i just didn't i didn't actually find david have all that funny like a lot of the jokes just seem to be based on the fact that he's fatter than he was when he was <laughs> yeah I, I just i just didn't think that was that funny it's just no, mr awesome.
2: incredible isn't it
1: yeah, yeah. and um yeah florence um yelena now i've pulled up the cast list <laughs> um yeah i actually found like quite a third i think she had the best dialogue essentially if, like she all the, my favourite, like, laugh out loud moments were her lines.
0: Absolutely. No, I think that's fair. I think Ray Winston is, was particularly awful. (laughs) I don't think he's the best actor in the world, but his accent was just atrocious. I mean, it slipped within the first sentence, like, he
1: sounded like a Cockney again. I really like Rachel Rice, but I thought hers was pretty bad as well. That's fair. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I just think accents all round
0: weren't brilliant. I mean, maybe Florence Pugh. I've I don't know what real Russian people sound like, if I'm honest. I only know Hollywood Russians. <laughs> it might have been brilliant. I thought the kind of central MacGuffin was kind of kind of dumb as well. This sort of chemical that reverses brainwashing.
2: It's just straight out of a 70s Roger Moore Bond film, the whole plot. That's sort of essentially Honor Majesty, isn't it? Trained well, yeah, to be assassins. it is. And they, they do similar in... I mean, they they have a scene from Moonraker in it, for God's sake, which obviously was was awesome, and <laughs> made me think what what a better film it was than the one I was watching. It does the another similar thing to Bond films in that it switches locations loads. It's globe trotting, mm-hmm. which I used to love in in all the Bond movies and and any movie really about does it just go from one location to another. But it was so kind of. It, there's never any sense of place or anything. It's just like, right, we'll just show a beach and throw up Cuba in bold, and then we'll skip on from it in thirty seconds. We'll show Norway on the screen and just show a mountain and like some grass, like a hill. <laughs> like that—that's it. That's you know, that's your sense of location. Like it's just—it's pointless. It's I kind music, of thought cl- rubbish.
0: To <laughs> be honest, I, I don't think I even remembered noticing. So no, I, guess I, mean, that's, I guess that's an indictment. Um, I thought Taskmaster was a pretty immaterial character. Um, it's, it's kind of the backstory there is written for this film. And I think it's been added in just to add in that kind of extra level of guilt and sort of reasoning. But th- there wasn't enough kind of cool stuff with the powers of Taskmaster. Like, if you're going to have a super villain, then, you know, make them super, I think. Uh, it's where some of the nods to the other films are, but they're, they're you know, not plot based at all. But you kind of get you get told that Taskmaster's powers is, is to mimic others. And there are moments like where she pops some claws out and it's the same sort of stance in Black Panther. And there are kind of a couple of nods in there. But that's kind of all it felt like that character was just a sort of vehicle to to nod to other stuff. It does remind me, actually, just going back to some of the fighting. Like I thought there were a couple of really cool, it's a bit niche, but cool, like, wirework stunts. And there's some that were, like, really hard-hitting. There's one where Natasha and Yelena, when they first kind of meet, and they're fighting in the kitchen. And I can't remember which one, but one of them gets thrown through a door. And it just, it looked and felt impactful. There were a couple of those kind of stunt moments. I say, the fighting overall was a bit disappointing, but there were just a couple of bits. I thought, oh, that
2: was kind of cool. Yeah, like that scene as an example, that was was pretty cool. It was a pretty reasonable fight scene. But again, it was kind of pointless because they're almost, you know, called truce or whatever. It's a play fight, pretty much. And then it sort of ruined as soon as they... Go outside and get attacked by everyone else, and there's just this absurd stuff with like whatever it is, this big tower which they're on the side of it's all collapsing. And you know, again, they're absolutely fine, it's not a problem for them at all. It's just any any semi-realistic stuff is just completely undone by all the CG overload. I wanted to ask you about that. Um
1: I actually forgot about it whilst I was watching it. Somebody at work told me that Black Widow had died earlier on in the whatever film it was in. And yeah, he said to me after I'd watched it that it took out all the jeopardy for him because there's no point ever setting up the possibility of her really being in danger in any way when you
2: know how her life finishes. I knew that and didn't consider it once, but you're absolutely right. For some reason, that, that stuff just doesn't bother me remotely because I feel like in 99% of stuff, there's no real jeopardy. In in franchise things at least. It's like if something's based on a book, for example, like you know, Harry Potter is alive at the end. Like <laughs> it's uh it doesn't stop the films what? being entertaining. Like <laughs> spoiler uh... alert. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like most of the time, you yeah, know, Indiana Jones, like Indiana Jones isn't dying. I mean he could do in a new one potentially, but ultimately these these people are not, you know, yeah. I don't really think think a sense of jeopardy is it's necessarily a problem if it's well done that's that's what it comes down to if it's well done it can still make you feel it in the moment and get caught up in it and I I think that's the problem with this one it's just not particularly well done I don't think it's very well written I didn't really dig the direction it's just it's it's okay it's it's kind of entertaining but uh, the same as Andy I was just the, the more it went on the more I was flagging with it and I think the first third was definitely the strongest
1: I wanted to pick up on as well your like pretty much first point, uh, which I'm not going to argue with, Mark, because you're right. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm still not not going to backtrack. It, it's in, it's hugely hypocritical of me to criticise something that, one, I've not seen a huge amount of, and, two, I'm on the other side of the fence with something. things. Like, we reviewed a like basically middle of the road Disney film that me and Will both really liked because it just followed all of those Disney tropes and we like that thing. And so it's hypocritical of me to say that I don't like what they do. And all they do is just churn out the same tropes all the time. However, I think I always get the idea with Marvel that there's something like slightly cynical about it that, like it's not kind of about creativity, and I sort of wonder why they made this film. And like you were saying, well, it's almost just a setup for a future Black Widow. And so, mm. like, well, you're going to have made a ton of money off a film that all it's doing is sort of it's just a necessity to progress you to just add another character in. Like, you, you.
0: I can't entirely disagree with you, but I don't see that being any different than the. Fast and the Furious franchise or Mission Impossible or sort of any other franchise film like I don't, yeah, I don't think I'm, to be honest artistic I'm, content comes first for, yeah, for but, any of them
1: yeah but I'm sort of I'm not arguing about those franchises being better than this
2: franchise I'm almost arguing against franchises like,
0: okay fair, that's, fair. <laughs> that's a different argument but yeah that's that's fair enough
2: I think it's, it's a fair thing to say but I do think there is artistry and definitely more interesting movies that they've made recently i just again and i don't think this one was particularly well done on any level it's kind of a shame in a way that if you haven't seen that many of them to me this is like a weaker it's not like i'm well rooting for you to you know get on the marvel train or whatever but i think it's a little unfortunate that this one is just kind of yeah it's it's just not a great film it's okay and there's certainly far better things which i think could have Maybe sucked you in a bit more. I think cinema does
1: this a lot. Like one thing becomes particularly popular. Yeah. People sorry with
0: Lord of the Rings and then swords and sorcery was everywhere for a bit.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, going back, cinema's always done this. You know, every film that was Mm -hmm. made for a period of time was a western, and then Mm -hmm. war films, and Yeah. yeah. And I don't know. I think like the quality often just gets kind of progressively worse. Because almost everything's been done.
0: I mean, we might be on the other side of that slide. I think, in at least in the MCU's case, I think it's kind of a, a bell curve in that I think it took them a while to get into their stride. Then I think they kind of made potentially their best films. And you might be right, we might be on the downward slope now and there may be no further quality. But
1: Look, I'm not arguing as much- that they are. I've not, not seen enough. You know.
0: I say I'm not not really trying to argue against you against you either I I do I like tropes as long as they're my tropes you know sort of unashamedly ingest things that just sort of tick my boxes because sometimes it's just escapism you know sometimes I just want to be entertained but I wouldn't try and I don't know kind of force these onto people in any way I I get quite a lot from the from the franchisation in this case because the weaving of those stories and how they do interact with each other sometimes is really interesting and is, and is cool. They do make a lot of missteps and a lot of the films are are not great, but I think when they are good, they still stand alone as individually good films that are part of a wider tapestry. I think it's fair to say Black Widow may not, no, that's unfair. No, I think it still stands alone as a film. We may not, <laughs> may not have spoken about it very favourably, but...
1: Oh, that was literally I'll... my first point, is that I yeah. do think... Yeah, I agree with you. Like, I Some of the ones that I've watched, I've just been completely lost because they don't stand alone as a film. Whereas I would say, like, right, this is very watchable um, without any sort of previous knowledge. There's the odd reference yeah. that'll skip you by, but...
0: I was going to say the opposite and then yeah, I immediately backtracked because <laughs> you were right in the first place.
2: I think they've done this particular kind of film better with uh, the Winter Soldier. Agreed, yeah. Cuz it is a like you just hit a valid a, a good point I think Will that it is impressive actually that they can kind of juggle these tonally different movies and then bring them all together and it somehow work. I mean that that is sort of remarkable. I mean if you take like Guardians of the Galaxy Winter Soldier 4 Talk to Strange, even they're they do- almost completely different genres. Mm-hmm. And it is impressive how they bring them all together and make the characters work together. But I think that's that's part of the charm when it when it does it. I mean, this tonally, I think, just as a standalone film, just doesn't really have that going for it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have those other interesting elements, and it's sort of like, well, they're maybe slightly trying to push for a kind of espionage. Action film, but really it is just a comic book movie.
0: I think that's fair. I think I'm, I'm kind of surprised at myself. I think I've, having discussed it, come down much more negatively than I thought I was going to. And I was going to say I've not really, I've not changed anything about my notes. Like I've not, I'm not reading this and then like saying the opposite. But I don't know. What the, I guess at the time of writing the notes, I was kind of thinking, well, you know, that didn't kind of work for me, but it's okay. And now I'm thinking it didn't work. And I, yeah, I, I think that's a problem. <laughs>
1: I think that the point that you made early on, Will, is actually like quite important because I, I it's the first time I, I haven't been to the cinema during lockdown, like the, through the small periods of time when they were open again. So it's the first time I've been to the cinema in probably eighteen months. Yeah. Me I too. really I really enjoyed going to the cinema. It was just it was just nice. It was nice. To it, right. it. And so Ingested like,
0: far too much sugar.
1: If I watched it at home and it wasn't for the podcast, I probably wouldn't have finished it. And if I was watching it for the podcast, I would have dragged myself through it. But Whereas I still sort of enjoyed the experience because it was just nice being back in a cinema.
0: Yeah, and if we'd recorded the podcast on the night or even the day after, I think I'd have been much more positive because of that. Yeah, it was nice. It was good. It was a weird experience coming out of the cinema as we watched it together and then said nothing about the film on our way home. It was kind of odd, but <laughs> we made it work.
1: Yeah, we sat in perfect silence. It was nice. Yeah, we, we as per
0: well. usual. This, this is all we ever talk, just on the podcast.
2: <laughs> I agree, though. It was it was fun to go to the cinema. Mood is everything, as well. Like I watched um, Wonder Woman eighty four at home when it, shortly after it came out streaming, and um, by all accounts, that's that's not a very good film. Like I wouldn't give it a good score at all but I enjoyed watching it sure I don't know sometimes it can just be your mood at the time can't it yeah I think in these
0: very genre things it is the finest of differences that make it work like it's very easy to compare two films and if you look at it on a surface level like all of the bits are there but one works and one doesn't and I think it is just by the finest of margins sometimes it's hard to see exactly why but could just be like score, or just a bit of acting, or whatever.
1: I do mm. think yeah. when you when you like read through the cast list, I think that's partly the other thing that I find a little bit frustrating is that uh, there's such like brilliant people that are involved all the time. Like the 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 first four names on the cast list are, you know, I, I'd watch mm-hmm. something because Rachel Rice is in it because Ray Winston's in it? it, or <laughs> <laughs> maybe not Ray Winston, but. Um, <laughs> I watch his adverts occasionally. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just think if you saw that cast in a standalone film, I'd be excited about it. There's just something about it. it always feels like sure a, a little bit of a waste. Like I don't want Joss Whedon to be just making like comic book films.
2: I don't know. I I think. <laughs> The actors can make what they make of it and obviously it's reliant on the script and stuff but I think it's kind of awesome watching someone like Benedict Cumberbatch in uh, Doctor Strange or like the Avengers movies. Like, I think it works. It me, doesn't he, work. Yeah.
0: You know, like, Robert Downey Jr. Is a, is a perfect Tony Stark.
2: That's what I'm saying. Like, you, it depends on the actor. I think Chris Evans is phenomenal at what he does in, in the role of Captain America. It's but they've not. got that money, they've got no, that money they, to
0: throw around, haven't they? Like they can they can tempt in names even if that they, they can't be asked to put in their whole ass.
1: No, no, I wasn't but, I wasn't criticizing the performances. I'm not saying like David Harper was shit or that like I, I just I don't know. I just, a part of me feels like they could just be doing something better. Be in a better film together. That's, yeah, that's fair. I just I just think that's an outstanding cast.
2: An outstanding cast has made a very average film i'd i'd have to say I, I would stop short of calling it an outstanding cast no right, you know what I'd, i mean though.
1: i, I kind it's,
2: of it's an, it's a, it's an okay cast i, can, like, I kind it, of i kind of mean all oh, right
1: that may i kind of mean across marvel generally like a, across the entire franchise like the amount of quality that pops up in every film is
2: outstanding but again i think it's down to those performers and the people making those movies to make those actors stand out and like bring bring something else to the table yeah they they maybe could have done a different film which would have been better like you know a Shakespeare adaptation or whatever just like a Oscar-baity drama but to be honest most of my favorite character roles from most most of my favorite actors are kind of within franchises when i think about it if i'm thinking harrison ford i'm thinking indiana jones it's it's not shakespeare is it like you know they they could have done a better film or they could have just made this film better sure yeah
0: we got anything else or should we go to scores i'll
2: give it a five
0: gets the berry i've been a bit wishy-washy i think if we'd done it in the week i might have even given it a seven like when we walked out of that cinema I think I came into today prepared to give it a six. But I think as we've discussed it, and I think there are more negatives in my kind of notes than positives, and I did I did broadly enjoy it, but I say I won't be rushing back to rewatch it. It doesn't add anything as a franchise film to the, the greater franchise, except, I guess, introducing Florence Pugh, who you know, was good. So hopefully she'll be good in future films as well. Um, so I'm going to match you, Mark. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a berry as well. Five out of 10.
1: You know, in principle, I hate it when we all give the same mark, but I'm not going it, to, it's probably closer to a four than a five for me, but, but it is a five. It's definitely not terrible. The first third of it, I actually thought was, was pretty watchable.
0: Let's move on to the album. Uh, which is and the battle begun by rx bandits from 2006 it's 50 minutes and 36 seconds long so it's quite long compared to some that we've done um this is an album from my teen years uh, particularly when i was listening to a lot of pop punk and ska punk It's really stuck with me. This album, like I think, it really transcends its uh, its quite humble beginnings, and I think part of the fact that I still enjoy this album. At least for me, it's kind of a marker towards its quality. I don't know if you did any additional listening, um, but they never really recapture it. Like The first part of their career is very kind of pop, scar punk, and then afterwards gets a bit kind of generic rocky. But I don't know, on this album, I think they really like hit,
1: hit something. Um, I lived with you for long enough, Will, that I recognised a couple of songs off it, sort of aware of our expandits. Overall, I didn't hate it. I, I, there are some bits that I like about it, and there are other bits that I disliked. It, it took me a couple of listens to actually cement a view, but I kind of got the feeling that you picked this as a pick, as a potential Deftones Mark too. and for me, it, it isn't.
0: All right, well, that's a better start. But, yeah, it, it was something I thought I might need to defend. Marco, what's your look on it?
2: Yeah, I'm not quite Deftones part two pretty close (laughs) not a million miles away I haven't listened to it that much I mentioned this earlier you know that's partially just bad preparation on my part for which I apologize but I think sometimes that that comes with with a reason and and the reason was that any time I was sort of listening to it it wasn't something I particularly wanted to revisit it's a really it's kind of like an oral assault really and I just felt battered by it and I didn't really want to go back to have more. It's long, like you said. Yeah. How long was it? Sorry, because I would. I was thinking like seventy minutes. I mean, it's never ending. This thing, bloody yeah, hell,
0: it's like fifty minutes.
2: Yeah, it seems longer. I have to say. I mean, even songs <laughs> like I, there are bits. Look, there's there are. It's definitely not tones. There are bits which I think are really pretty cool. There's some really good musicianship on it. Like it's one of those way where I think the drummer, for example, there's some phenomenal drumming. And yet I don't like the drums. They're just too busy for me. Like everything is too busy. It's just like, okay, that's, that's, whoa, that's, that's super cool for five seconds. And then it's just, well, just find a pocket, find some space, like find a groove, like do something. You're just overplaying. Everyone is overplaying all the time.
0: It's that to be um, honest, it's that kind of bumbling energy and pace I really like about this album. Like it never sits yeah. on anything too long. Like it 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 has an idea, it shows you it, and then goes, right, now I've got another one. Is Even it, within songs, like they have several sections sometimes.
1: Yeah, agreed. I also totally agree on the drums. Like it is it's relentless. <laughs> I found it, like I said, like I'm actually gonna come in probably just about on the positive side. There are songs that I like. I realised that a lot of the songs that I like are in the first few songs, and I don't mm-hmm. think it's particularly that they're better than the songs at the end. It's just that I really got tired of the album by the time it got to about halfway. Sure. I should have tried listening to it from halfway through a few times to uh, get into it, but I didn't. I kept whacking it on from the start and uh, my- punishing myself through it a bit because, yeah, it is is—it is a bit of an assault on the senses. Like... It's a it's a lot. It's got the it sort of hits you with little like math rock moments all the time as well, which sort of add to the chaotic feel that it's got. But I agree with Mark as well. There's the there's plenty of cool bits in it.
0: It's hard to um, kind of put a spin on it that isn't just emotionally based. But all the things that you describe that you kind of don't like, I, I do like. I do I do like that just chaos, just that sometimes complete just wall of noise. And for me at least, like I've listened to this over many years now it means there's always new kind of bits to pick apart it's so dense I do I do appreciate why that is can be like off-putting but I I kind of I know all the little bits in my head like I can hear all of the individual parts and I think it's kind of cool that everybody's doing something different and I think you know I think there are quieter moments there aren't really there isn't really a, a quiet song as such they all kind of slip into rock or kind of broadly pop punk at some point although i do think they managed to avoid a lot of the uh worst kind of tropes of pop punk it sinks in occasionally but i think uh his voice goes a long way towards that like it's not a sort of traditional um i don't know teenage kind of
1: i, de- I definitely want to talk about his voice the only thing i looked up about this is whether there was more than one lead singer Mm -hmm. like he he has such a chameleon voice sometimes I really disliked it like sometimes it really grated on me and then other times I actively liked it. There's one song I think it might have been um, Apparition Mm -hmm. in the middle track 8 that I thought like he sounds sounds like Sting at the moment Mm -hmm. and I surprisingly actually mean that as a compliment um, oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, but then, yeah, I don't know. His voice, I don't know if he has a natural singing voice, it just felt like it was different all the time. When he was at his most, like, sort of whiny, uh, teenager y, which I think, like, something like, although I actually quite like the song, a couple of the early ones, oh, only for the night, you sort of, yeah, it's like really like pop punk teenage voice, I really dislike it. I I mean I I disagree. Like I I not that it
0: goes into those sort of areas or not that his voice changes quite a lot, but I don't think it I don't think it gets into that. I mean, so like bands like Blink182 and Sum 41 is I I don't think it I don't think he kind of gets into that into that ballpark. But I really like his voice. I really like his voice and I really like the like growls that he does sometimes.
1: I don't think he maybe, maybe goes that far, but I think he's definitely on that scale occasionally.
0: It is on I mean, if you listen to their early albums, that's what they were. Like that they kind of evolved, but still within uh still within a kind of boundary of pop punk. But yeah, as I say, I really like his voice and I I quite often like the melodies that are picked out and on and over so much of that often like chaotic melody from the guitars and the kind of electric organ or whatever's going on. I think his melodies kind of pull the things together for me.
2: I respect that, but I respectfully disagree. <laughs> um, kind of the opposite. I don't think he's quite got it, um, whatever it is. Um, he doesn't quite have it. He doesn't quite pull it together. He's no Mike Patton. I'm not hearing this chameleon stuff. I, to me, it was very... there There is slight differences of tone because there's differences in tone in the songs at times. I think he does slightly better in the very slightly reggae tinged couple of songs in the middle of the record there which incidentally probably my favorites on the album but yeah his his voice I, I found a little annoying frankly um and I don't think the melodies they're, they're very very similar across the entire album I think there's there's loads of so if you just because I did this quite a bit to be honest I'd skip from like song to song and be like well, I'm kind of done with this one now I'll skip to the next one and it's like okay yeah that that sort of sounds the same as the last one and then there'd be occasions I was thinking about because we always talk about best track so I was like right okay I, th- I think it's this one it goes like song three or whatever and then I skip ahead to song 14 and I was like, that intro is pretty much the same.
0: Yeah I can't argue that it's an album full of variety um, but I guess as I was saying about the films it's something that that just ticks all of my boxes so I'm happy to have kind of the same thing, to be honest, over and over again. For me, the songs are different enough, but I'm also really familiar with them. So, I mean, with familiarity, mm, yeah. with, you know, with time comes that kind of familiarity. Um, yeah. I really like the, the horns in this, although I think there's an argument that they are underused. I think when they are in, they don't take on that kind of very brash scar tone that I think would be typical they have a much more kind of lounge jazz, very kind of soft tone. And in... Uh, what song was it? I think it's in the battle... Uh, in, in Her Draw, I think it is, the third track, opens with a really cool, like, uh, a weaving kind of brass, brass lick at the beginning. I think it's awesome.
1: I think there... It's weird that... A lot of my criticisms are about it being too busy. I think the whole... Breaks are not busy enough a lot of the time. I think it, it's one of the few times. I, I, this shouldn't be a criticism when it's the it's the one time that it's doing the thing that I'm <laughs> that I'm asking for it to do. But I think sometimes, like I, I agree with you. I kind of like the like big scar horn breakdowns that they put in, and it is underutilized a little bit. But I, I often don't think that they did enough. Like they're well, an
2: afterthought, aren't they?
1: Yeah, it's just a kind of. A it's freak. like, they're kind of
2: there. People in the band obviously played those instruments.
1: Yeah. And occasionally
2: yeah. they get them to play for a few
1: seconds. It's just they're often I mean, quite quite a sort of generic-y, like, scar, like, melody, and there's, there's nothing sort of particularly interesting going on, whereas there's tons of interest in the rest of it. I'm just not always on board with what they do, but...
0: I think that's sometimes true, but I would argue that there is more interest in some of the horn bits. Like I said, I think that particular opening bit of the third track i think is a, a very a very cool uh, particular bit but i would i would agree with you i think it's underused and the fact that it's an afterthought i mean there might be some validity to that because later albums appear not to feature any horns so <laughs> maybe those guys decided they weren't getting enough uh, airtime and decided to do one
2: it's a shame it's a real shame because i think it's it's a really interesting pick to discuss because i i can hear that there's potential stuff I would really like from this group of players but they just very very rarely come across the stuff that I would actually take to Mm. like there's never there's never bits where they just let the horns go with just like a bass guitar and like a drum section or something just you know it's always well yeah we'll, we'll get them in here to supplement the like you know power chord guitars which do that sort of super fast switching thing even though the chord progressions are never particularly interesting to my mind it's kind of and i I think that's my problem with a lot of it it's just sort of well we'll we'll force create interest just by doing everything really quickly and switching to this bit and you know like you said nothing really stays the same for that long and that that can be cool if there's individual bits which are cool and i just think those individual bits are far too rare for me 80 percent of it is like the power chord Super fast, like you know, bada bum, bada bum, all that stuff. And
0: I wouldn't disagree with the pace. I would, I would strongly disagree that it's eighty percent power chord. I think the guitars are often, as you said, like doing a lot more than just strumming out chords. But yeah, I don't I, disagree I, with the with the fact that it is just an onslaught. But I, 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 I like me on onslaught.
1: Yeah, I'd also slightly disagree with that. Like I say, I think there's there is a bit of like math rock elements going in, like just an odd riff in like five four thrown in and mm-hmm. know, that that sort of thing. And I I sort of like that in it. It kind of I don't know. I a part of me wishes that they would kind of lean into one of the things that like it's
2: it well leaning out more... of the maths for me, for one.
1: Yeah, sure. I get I get that that doesn't appeal to you, but I, I kind of think of vaguely similar things that I like. And they can be kind of as complex or, but, but slightly less chaotic. Like there's at least a, like some of the choruses are quite like something like only for the night. Mm-hmm. It's quite a like cheesy pop chorus. Yeah. Like, I don't actually love it, but I don't mind them leaning into that a little bit. Cause I, I kind of think like it, at least it's a little bit of a break almost from, um, mm from like the chaos i don't know i just feel it's
2: almost an album that does a little
1: bit too much for me
2: i think the problem is as well is that those tempos are consistently really fast like every song is a fast tempo and yet the songs are mostly five or six minutes long like yeah that is mad if they if they were if they were getting these songs in at two minutes and under i would be loving it well not loving it i mean if you know (laughs) very very
1: fast backtrack there
2: (laughs) um it's i probably would prefer their earlier stuff will i reckon just their straighter kind of scar punk material
0: interested to find out if you do um it i've got to be honest like rx bandits kind of exists as just this album for me it's sort of a lightning in a bottle
2: you said yourself, it's an album you revisit like often and you kind of know the songs, you know the intricacies and I completely get that. I mean, in a sense, they're not a million miles away from like Cardiacs, you know? Sure. Oh, yeah. That's very much an assault, but that's one I kind of got to grips with and sort of enjoyed. Equally, though, there's other bands, At The Drive-In, Mars Volta. I've tried those albums at times. I tried to convince myself that I lied them. The truth is I don't. I would agree. Yeah, I'd Um, agree with those examples. You know, and this treads a similar line, I think, ultimately. The the problem is, is is something we've said for many albums in the past. For me, the songs just aren't quite there. And I don't know why in some records it doesn't matter if something's catchy and earwormy. Like sometimes it can be a positive, but it isn't. But in this one, I think for this type of music... I kind of need to be either singing along or something about it needs to be grabbing me. And I just for for all that's going on, everything that they're throwing at you, which is an immense amount of material, throwing a shitload of stuff at the wall and not much of it is sticking for me. Uh,
0: for me, this is a real like car album. I love getting this on when I'm on my own, just belting it out. But I can't, you know, I I can't look at it anymore as an album I haven't listened to for sort of 15 years
1: I do get that. Like, I feel like I've led with a lot of the negatives. You're kind of arguing, Will, that you just like the things that Mark dislikes about it. Yeah, which, it's hard which to... is, and Basically, I think I'm finding myself slightly in a middle ground in that sometimes I like them and sometimes it's just too much for me. I, I do think it has the potential to be the sort of album, if I listened to it more, it would grow on me more. Mm -hmm. however it also probably not going to listen to it again like it hasn't sort of initially grabbed me enough that I kind of want to go and listen to it more but sure and and yeah I still do think I would get more out of it if I did I just don't want to um
0: to concede a bit of negative I think the lyrics go from being like okay to dumb uh, I, I don't think it's a strong lyrical uh, album, but I I do think the the songs are like generally very well meaning. They are kind of anti capitalist, uh, feminist in places. They're kind of you know they they suit my kind of political leanings. So that
1: I just I just think it's a it's a
0: <laughs> it's a punk it's, band, it, isn't it? Like they're gonna it, suit my it, political <laughs> <laughs> leanings.
1: Yeah, but it's there a like you know sort of punk pop band? whose lyrics are very good it's just not a genre where I even pay attention to it, I sort of expect they're going to yeah. be pretty bait lyrics
0: there are some bits that are quite good because the only thing left that's constant is the change, you know, that's a good line but yeah it, uh, it dips in and out, I fell in love when I was born, is a, is a lyric that I've always thought is just, <laughs> just dumb just a stupid thing to say out loud
2: <laughs> which, which song is that one?
0: Which one? Sorry, the the I fell in love, I fell in love when, when, I when I was born. It's the intro, and then it comes back in. So the third song, uh, nineteen eighty, comes back in. It's, about the uh, it's okay.
1: definitely later, yeah,
0: yeah. I kind of like that it's referenced again, but I'll be the the opening track. It does nothing for me really. Like it's not interesting enough. I don't think to stand on its own. So the callback's fine. Right? Yeah. I think the, the harmonies throughout the album are quite good, but they are quite set back in the mix as well. Again, it, it might be
1: yeah, from a point padding. of view of
0: familiarity, but yeah, they're kind of like pad, aren't they?
1: they? Yeah, they're just padding, padding out that sound. I don't, I don't mind that at all. It's not, they're not, they're
0: not doing anything wildly interesting, but no, I think they're not, they, they're not they sound nice harmonies,
1: but actually, they sound I do, nice to me. I do think they add a little, like I say, just padding out that like thickness,
2: really more than anything else. Yeah, I mean, with the, with the melodies, I would just say, I think, they never really repeat that many things, and yet the album as a whole is very repetitive. It's weird.
0: Tonally, yeah. I mean, like, like you say, they're all pretty qu- quick kind of punk rock songs for the most part, and I mm. think that's, that is fair to say. But I say in individual songs, like I think Crusher, Destroyer, which is the last track, like the chorus is just in a different key to the verse, and... Like, I think they make it work. They just sort of jump jump to a different key and then back again. And some songs, like you say, are really long, six minutes long and such. But they sometimes have, like, outros that are just almost an entirely unrelated bit of music.
1: What was everyone's favourite track? Will. (laughs) I like Crusher
0: Destroyer. I like the last track. Um, But I think my favourite track is one that you have... Maybe slightly detracted which is only for the night they kind of uh sort of mid album pop number but i uh that's my really worm from this album. I love that song
1: I think I wasn't uh, particularly down on it. it's not one of my favorites i, I only mentioned it because I think it's got a really cheesy chorus but i I don't damn mean, right it does. I don't necessarily <laughs> mean cheese as a bad thing Cheese is always a good thing. ask
0: cardiologists
1: i like um I like track three. In her draw, it, it does that thing that the album does quite a bit that I do think adds a bit of interest. I get that Mark doesn't like it, but where it just adds, it like drops sort of, it just drops like additional beats in at weird times. And, you know, it just it changes it up rhythmically quite a lot. Yeah, I, I think that's quite a cool song. I quite like Apparition as well, track eight. Yeah, agreed. Well, I like them all,
2: so <laughs> it's not really news. <laughs> Well, I also liked In Her Draw and the other one I liked is A Mouthful of Hollow Treats. Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, just punk, man. Like, punk should be like two minutes long. None of this fucking anal six-minute bullshit. <sighs> tired old man. Do you know what I mean? <laughs>
0: <laughs> tired old man shouting at the moon. <laughs> <laughs> um this album is kind of evergreen for me and maybe nostalgia plays a big part into that, but I still like this album as much now as I did like 15 years ago. Um, I'm going to give it a slight detractor for some of the dumb lyrics, but it's going to get a nine out of 10 for me.
1: Um, I'm going to give it a six. Positive, that's that's all I can ask for. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, I do fall slightly on a positive side. It's just a lot, man. I I just enjoyed it for a few songs and then it it just got a bit much.
2: Mm -hmm. I I don't really feel well positioned to score this one because, you know, as I say, I mean, for various reasons, I don't think I've given it the attention it deserves. I do get actually what what you like about it. I'm going to give it a four, but with the caveat that it's probably better than a four, frankly.
0: I don't know. I don't think I was expecting you to like both of you to really hate it. Well, certainly, Andy, I think you're more positive than I sort of expected pleased with the result with that all said and done then should we move on to the list this was top five songs all about the build how's everyone's list looking does anybody want to go first if your lists are light
1: i don't mind going first
0: kick us off then buddy see
1: what you got all number five i think we were listening to this band in the car it may have been on the cinema trip i don't remember it's something that they do all the time. I'm going to go with Rebellion Lies, Arcade Fire. I actually I forget that I like Arcade Fire. I, I really got bored of them very quickly. They sort of do one thing, <clears throat> but um, for a couple of albums, I actually quite quite dig the sort of indie indie yeah big builds vibe that they do. And Rebellion Lies is probably my favourite example of that. Um, And that really like the, I mean, the entire verse is just like two chords. It it just sort of, it's a song where the build is essentially the entire song. It's not like a, yeah, some of the ones in my list, I think of a quick moment or.
0: Sure. No, I think that's fair. But yeah, this one's a bit of full song crescendo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Whereas it's sort of, the entire verse is just two chords. Then it's got like a cool chord change into the chorus and. It never gets more complex, where it gets slightly more frenetic, and um, and yeah, the the final chorus is the is the the biggest moment, I guess, of it for
0: sure, man. Yeah, Arcade Fire, particularly those first two albums, are a band I'm really happy when they come up on shuffle. I say I'm not yeah. sure I'd go back and listen to a full album anymore, but when the odd song pops up, I think, oh, that that's a that's a good tune. Okay, uh, I'm going to start with what I think is probably one of my more obvious ones perhaps Um, and I was kind of undecided whether to go for the original or the recent excellent cover version and it's You Never Give Me Your Money by the Beatles slash Tenacious D. Um,
1: (laughs) It's a great cover in it. I
0: listened to it (laughs) the other
1: day. Superb.
0: (laughs) Uh, It's stupid and fun but as a song it does it starts on a very kind of quiet ballad uh McCartney style song. And I mean it basically ends as a different song, doesn't it? But it it increases so much by the end. Tons of like new instrumentation is brought in. At the beginning of the song, it's pretty much just voice and piano. And yeah, it just builds and builds. And beyond just being a great song, it is something that the Beatles also do quite a lot, much like Arcade Fire, but I found a few good examples uh, that could have been Beatles picks. <laughs> But I went for You Never Give Me a Money, probably because of the Tenacious D cover, which I, too, have been enjoying immensely. So that's my number five pick.
2: Marco, number five. I'm going to go with uh, Five Years, David Bowie. Very nice. Mainly just due to the vocals. Yeah. I mean, they start super chilled, and by the end, he's just absolutely... squealing it out. Yeah, yeah, wailing is the word. <laughs> And it's a thing of beauty. I love Bowie when he goes into
0: like his cracked vocals, particularly when he was a younger man. And, uh, yeah. uh superb.
1: Number four, Giorgio by Moroder, Daft Punk. Not a big Daft Punk fan, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I think this is an absolute tune. I think it's about 10 minutes long. <laughs> it's, just, it's a bit of an epic. A huge amount of it is interspersed with like an interview with. Good old Giorgio. Or either of you know it?
0: Yeah, no, I don't know the song, but I, you know, Daft Punk, one of those bands I might—I know them to listen to, but not to, not by name. But no, I don't think I know that one.
1: Uh, so yeah, it's an interview with Giorgio. It, it's it's cool. Like it, it starts off with, I'll get to the build bit. <laughs> it starts off with like a sort of interview with him when he's talking about like starting out in music. Like, he was a, like, pioneer of the synthesizer, essentially. Um, and, yeah, hugely successful, work with loads of people. The interview is really good, really interesting. It um, And there's, like, sort of their cool little groove under it. Um, I think they said they use, like, three different microphones when he's kind of talking about, like, different eras, so the, like, vocal quality changes throughout it. But the build bit is the, like, last... I mean, especially the last like minute, but but really the last like four minutes maybe of the song. There's a little bit of a breakdown, and then there's a huge like sort of drum solo slash. There's tons of like scratching and and yeah, like sort of monotonous like synth droney stuff over the top of it, and it just builds to like epic proportions by the end. Just like huge like assault of synth noises. That's super super like groovy bass line underneath it's great it's a top song i'd well recommend it if you don't know it
0: nice yeah i don't think i know it so i'll check it out okay for my number four i was going to consider taking this out but at the risk of having very little to say about it i'm going to stick with it and it's heroes by bowie and basically for the same reasons as you point out mark like he starts in the lower register jumps up to the higher octave like a like two thirds of the way through and then just jumps into the, the sort of ghoulish whale and it just sounds incredible. And that song has such a like anthemic feel to it as well. Like it's such a sing, sing along song and you really feel that build as you, uh, another one, another really good one to have on in the car on your own. It's really fucking it's, belt that. out.
2: It's a great pick. And it's an interesting one. Cause I feel like, in general terms, there's not probably that much of a lift in volume or, like, instrumentation. It kind of starts as it continues. Like, it's got the riff straight away. It's got, like, the beat straight away. But yeah, you're completely right. It absolutely, it's all in his voice. It's all in the yeah. vocals, yeah. To- totally
1: agree. I d- yeah, like it's it, it, it counts But it's like the he, list fine, but...
0: He sounds, like, desperate, like, at one point, you know, when he's just screeching out that we could be heroes, and it's, ah, it's just good, It's full of, full of all that feels.
2: Um, number four is uh, Jerry Goldsmith, the uh, film composer, and it's a track which I would thoroughly recommend people check out because I can almost guarantee you won't have heard it. Um, it's the main title from a film called Torah Tora Tora*, which is a uh, um, a war movie, I believe, showing like the Japanese kind of side of a war. I don't even know what war it is. So there you go. I think it's World War Two, but I could be it wrong. is, yeah. Is it because of that Japanese connection, it essentially starts with like a Koto just playing this slightly Asian influenced melody. And yeah, there's just, there's just a phenomenal build to it. It's a really interesting composition, super powerful. And Jerry Goldsmith is an absolute madman. I mean, like the meter and everything is all over the place, Like the harmonies are fucking wild. Uh, he brings in like this really dissonant kind of string counter melody halfway through which shouldn't really work, but it, it really does and you kind of get lost with what the actual main melody is and then he just kicks in like full-on brass at the end, playing the opening Koto melody.
0: Uh, Andy, you're number
2: three. Death Cab for Cutie, I Will Possess possess
1: Your Heart. Death Cab for Cutie are a bit of a... I'm not ashamed of any of my music taste, but it's definitely in my shit indie phase. Um, <laughs> and for that reason I still occasionally dip into stuff including newer things and this is one of their I guess newest overplaying it but newer (laughs) compared to me listening to their first two albums it's a it's a weird song structurally you've really got to like the bass line to like it because that's most of that's what it is yeah you've really got to (laughs) get get in on that groove Um, and if you dig that you're gonna you're gonna like the song if you don't then there's not much else uh, going for you but it's it's yeah bass groove the first entire half of the song is pretty much just a build like there's little piano chords and there's guitar noodling over the top of just this like groovy bass line there's vocal line that comes in that goes over it which i guess is the (laughs) chorus (laughs) so. <laughs> and then there's a, there's a weird B section that just comes out of nowhere and is super cheesy. <laughs> but, but essentially the song is kind of one, one big bill. Oh, yeah, when the vocals come in as well, everything drops out, but it doesn't drop out immediately. There's like two bars where there's still instrumentation and then it slowly just dissipates and there's just there's just the vocals going on. Yeah, it's a structurally weird song. Yeah. Um, that is entirely built on the bass riff that is super simple and really cool and it just yeah builds throughout the track uh, based off of that and i think it's super cool uh,
0: right so my number three um i have gone for uh the genre of music which is effectively just build and uh, that is post-rock and I've gone for oh, Auto wait. Rock.
1: Uh, damn it, I wanted to guess.
0: Were you going to guess Auto Rock? Yes. By <laughs> Mogwai. Uh, I think I once declared to you that I wanted this played at my funeral. Um, my funeral arrangements have changed now, it's going to be a Viking affair. But up until recently, it was going to be this song and just being thrown in a in a bush.
1: So what you're thinking? Um, like, um, I don't, I don't want to derail this, but just to, just to get this on record, are we mm-hmm. sending you off on a, on a ship? Are we getting a little fire arrow going?
2: That'd be great. When yeah.
1: When you're about thirty yards from, uh, from shore.
0: Yeah, if you could, that would be, that would be superb. Just and want to go to Valhalla.
1: Up, wrap you up in kindling and.
0: Uh... <laughs> yeah, I can see Skippy the Eye Child in Valhalla.
1: There's
0: mm. <laughs> a reference for the masses. i used to be quite a big fan of post-rock and i certainly faded with time but i think moguire probably still the best example of it i think they still do things that are much more interesting than their contemporaries um and mr beast is an album i think like still holds up i think it's still a really good album but yeah auto rock is my choice for that one
2: uh, number 3 i've gone for uh, capture in space by john barry which uh, just starts with a uh, very simple i think it's kind of a single note low piano and timpani just playing these four notes those notes continue throughout the entire piece and it just adds this like twinkling like harp arpeggios over the top of it really interesting like string harmonies like the chord sequences pretty wild It just keeps every sort of eight bars or so, it just adds another element in, like orchestral element, obviously. And um, it's just epic. But it's uh, for something that is based on just repetition and just a constant build, it's really satisfying and interesting musically as well. I think it's only about two and a half minutes long and that's all it needs to be. It kind of says what it needs to say and gets out.
0: Good. Um, Andy, I think it's your number two, Chief.
2: Yeah,
1: I'm going to make a switch because I had Mogwai, Friend of the Night. It's not just the same band, it's off the same album. I just think it's a better song. Um, (laughs) I love Friend of the Night. What a tune. I think I also at one point said I wanted it at my funeral. I I don't care what you play at my funeral. Spooky. (laughs) Don't have one. Throw me in.
0: Celebrate good times. Come on, do
1: it. Throw me in a skip and I've done with. Um, I'm going to substitute in. Didn't make the original list, but it's now in at number two. uh, (laughs) uh, Imogen Heap, The Walk, which is an absolute tune. I didn't put it in there because it kind of has a couple of big builds in it. but I I struggled to argue that the song was, was really built on its build. Like there's a lot of... Um, things that I love about it. And the build is, is yeah, not absolutely intrinsic to that, but the build is super cool. Um, I mean, it, it kind of starts off like very vocal led, I think before maybe the second chorus, there's like a little bit of a breakdown bit where the vocals are like pretty much on one note. And then I think it's the second chorus anyway. And then it just sort of builds throughout that to the point where the chorus is then just like huge power chords and um, hits its sort of level of epicness. I love Imogen Heap. Good
0: choice. I'm, a, I'm kind of a dip in and out of Imogen Heap sort of fan. I'm, I'm semi-familiar with some of her albums, but is that from Speak for Yourself? Yes, I think that's my favorite album of hers. and has probably her most famous track on it. Uh, Okay, well, my number two, I think it's probably the inspiration for the list in the first place. Uh, And that is Parting of the Sensory by Modest Mouse, which is a song that starts off as a fairly generic Modest Mouse song. And I've got to admit, the first time I was going through that album and listening to that track, I was pretty disappointed. And then it comes out with this huge like folk fiddle outro which is just it's ginormous and it's great it doesn't build to complete chaos it builds to something more more musical than the rest of the song to be honest and now i know that outros there i appreciate the beginning of it more like it it you require the build to get to the to get to the pinnacle but yeah this really kind of Bouncy, uh, folk dance style. I don't know, imagine what you'd have at a party in the 1600s, it would sound like that.
2: It's a great pick, all right. Uh, the master, the maestro, for some reason, I feel like he's unfashionable or uncool these days, and I don't understand why. Uh, John Williams, um, he's not actually my favorite film composer, there's probably three or four that pip him but he is i think unquestionably a genius i think he's one of the best melody writers of all time Mm -hmm. easily agree not not even close and i'm talking about against any composer in history the one i've gone for is um princess leia's theme nice from a new hope cast aside any sort of you know if you're not into star wars or whatever doesn't matter just go and listen to this like you know piece of music it's just a phenomenal piece of music he's got like just a tremendous knack he does it in basically every one of his themes of where it's like i'll introduce the melody we'll do it again there'll be a little interesting bit in between and then we'll kick back to it maybe a b section then we'll kick back into it in full form probably with a key change and a humongous orchestra like playing it and that there is a reason like Basically, all of my picks are orchestral. And I think it's that, you know, ultimately you can have loud guitars and everything. I don't really think anything competes when you've just got like 70, 80 people playing their hearts out. It's got such a big build. The melody coming in for the last time is just phenomenal, basically.
0: Andy, your number one, sir.
2: Uh,
1: My number one is... Uh, mentioned it in Side Projects, but uh, it's a good, the bad and the queen with the song, the good, the bad and the queen from the album, the good, the bad and the queen. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it might be my favorite outro. Like it's an outro to the album and it's such <clears throat> a good way of, of finishing an album. Like it's a, it's a good song that at it's halfway point, two thirds of the way point. Um, like it, it's what Seven minutes long. It, yeah. it has a as a three minute outro, which is just based around a like a chord loop that just builds in volume and pace, and it's just epic. It's great. Like that is that a hundred percent hits the criteria of your list. In that, yeah. I quite like <laughs> I quite like the song. And the song is a thousand times better by the outro build that just, yeah, just hits sort of epic proportions by the end. And yeah, the fact that it's the album closer as well, like I, I like it. It doesn't have to be a big build album closer. You can finish on a, on a nice quiet song. That's fine. But I do think it works as an album closer as well as almost any other album closer. It, it's just superb. Like, yeah, the, the outro is my favourite favorite bit of the album I think
0: agreed no it's a really great choice um okay so my number one um is Sunset by Kate Bush uh, which is off the album Ariel and uh depending on which album you get is either a standalone track or part of the 45 minute final track she sort of released the album in two halves and then combined it but when it was combined it was the second half is just one continuous track so it could be deemed as, as just a small part of a much bigger tapestry but Sunset the reason I kind of picked it over Modest Mouse because it does a very similar thing is at the end of the song ends up being this kind of Spanish guitar just like really bright joyful kind of wig out on Spanish guitar with uh, Kate Bush's eternally brilliant vocals on the top um, but I think the Build towards that is better than in Modest Mouse's case like I think the rest of the song is also really strong Um, it's a a fascinating one to listen as a full kind of 45 minute concept album I suppose it's kind of a a strong through line but I'm picking out just that individual song for that individual build because Kate Bush is the best
2: Cool. my number one It Is Still Life by Suede Um, oh yeah which is uh, absolutely magnificent. First time I heard it, absolutely blown away. Listen to it again in preparation for this list. Still absolutely blown away. on probably like the 50th listen or something. I just think it's phenomenal. Um, I think it's so rare for a guitar band to correctly use, like an orchestra. I just don't really think it happens very often. No. Um, and it is huge, like it doesn't start huge, which is why it works for this list, but there's multiple elements. He does the, the vocal jump, starts, you know, in the low register, kind of doing a Scott Walkery kind of thing. And then he just thinks, you know what, I'm just going to like absolutely weigh all this out. And his voice <laughs> has never sounded better. There was like a period of time, basically Dogman star, where Brett Anderson was, for my money, one of the best vocalists of all time. And unfortunately, he's like he had a rapid decline. I think he just, you know, I don't know what it is. He's just probably destroyed his vocal cords or whatever. But they just captured that moment. And it's such a brilliant vocal performance. And yeah, what a song! What yeah. a song! Like it's so gorgeously structured. And it, in terms of a build, it's got that vocal leap, it's got all the other instruments coming in, has the massive. Final chorus, and then just for good measure, it chucks in like this orchestral like outro, which is just huge as well, and yeah, I just i mean it's it's still one of my favorite albums of all time
0: great call well that's uh that's all of our lists. Have we got any honorables
2: yeah, I've got a few I
1: struggled a little bit with the like like I said, I threw it together a little bit. So maybe if I thought about it more, I would have included some of these, but um but I had a few that I just didn't quite think hit the criteria for the list. Like sure uh Elton John Tiny Dancer, like the sort of build to the first chorus, but uh, I love that song. <laughs> I, I think the uh, the fact that the chorus finally hits about halfway through the song and it feels like it's been building to it from the start <laughs> right um and yeah that that final build into the chorus is it, it's not even like the chorus is epic i just think it's great um a couple of others uh nude radiohead um yeah. it was a punch brothers song because i did a bit of wider punch brothers listening after really loving the album that you picked mark uh, a song called Little Lights," which has got a really cool little build in it. I also have that on my mm-hmm. list. Oh, right. It's a cool tune. Um, and I put Lingus down, Snarky Poppy as well. Uh, but I actually don't like the song quite enough to put it in the list. Although it does have a build and it does have, like every other Snarky Poppy song, tons of super interesting bits in it. <laughs>
0: uh i just had a couple a couple more i had the song for a friend jason mraz but decided that was less of a build and more of like just an outro of a different song (laughs) i think that is a case of just jamming on a a sort of different song onto the end i don't think it kind of sells that build um i did have an i had crown of love by arcade fire but as you noted they do it a lot so there's a few choices there
1: almost every song Has a huge like starts quiet and builds to uh builds to the big pop in the epicness.
0: Um without you, Harry Nilsson again goes from like the very, very mellow beginning to the like big shouting ending. And one that I only thought of after we'd started, so didn't make my list, but this is hardcore by pulp.
1: Oh, that's a good shout.
0: But uh, yeah, it didn't Mm. come to me before now. So, but maybe that would have been in top five. Okay, so next week's choices are yours, Mark. Tell us what your film, your album, and your top five list is, please.
1: Okay,
2: so the film will be Marlon Brando's One-Eyed Jacks. The album will be a film score, The Curious Case of Benjamin Button by Alexandra Desplat. And the top five comfort viewings or listens.
0: Okay, well, with that in place, uh, that is all from us at Screen and Needle. Uh, I hope you'll come and join us next time. We'll talk about another film, another album and another top five list. Bye for now.